Hey, I gotta tell you guys about something, and I'm really excited to talk about this because I got a brand new front door lock. And it's not just any lock, it's a Eufy video lock. You might be thinking, what's the big deal, Chael? Well, okay, I'm gonna tell you. First off, it is sleek. I mean, it's a very big deal. My father used to build houses. My whole life, I've known how important curb appeal is. I used to be in real estate. When I show somebody a house, the front door is the very first thing you see. This thing is a piece of art. It truly is, and it's such a good looking piece of hardware. It instantly upgraded my front door. I was excited about the functionality. So not only do I get an instant makeover with a piece of art, you now have a different level of protection. It's a smart lock. It's got a 2K camera with audio and doorbell all in one. Most competitors are either just a camera or a smart lock. The Eufy Video Lock has both plus a doorbell and it can all be controlled via an app, which makes things so convenient. I hate when I hear the doorbell ring and I'm comfortable inside. I gotta get up, go to the door, just to find out it's a delivery man who dropped the package and is already long gone. The Eufy Video Lock now allows me to avoid all of that. I can just peek at the app. I can even talk to him or hear him talk back to me. Also, my wife and I travel a lot. It's an added level of security at my front door and it makes me feel a little bit more at ease. It was very easy to install. No, there are no monthly fees for the security video storage. The battery is rechargeable and each charge lasts about four months. The Eufy Lock is fantastic and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. Do that by going to Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you gain complete control of your door. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc thank you for listening to this podcast one production now available on apple podcasts podcast one spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts I'm Jerry Callahan from the Jerry Callahan Podcast, and I'm taking the Browns to beat the Steelers. Bet Online has free odds and lines available online or on your mobile device. Visit betonline.net today. Daniel Cormier came out. He said that he contemplated fighting Jan Blahovich. I knew it. I knew it. And I kept the secret. 
Daniel told me this. So it was right after he fought Stipe. I was on the phone with Daniel about something. And it was amateur wrestling related. We were visiting. But he had told me that, because you got to remember this. You got to remember when Blahovich won the title, okay, over Reyes, he immediately called out John Jones, which was baffling. The whole reason Blahovich fought for the title was because John Jones left the title and left the entire division. Like it was the most baffling call out. But you give him a pass. This is, this is his moment, and he earned it, and he's a little bit high. He's high on a drum. You give him a pass. But after he collects his thoughts, returns to Poland, and is now level-minded, he calls out Daniel Cormier, who the week before had retired. It was like uh, two swings and two misses uh, by the champ, just these huge blatant ones, but I was talking to Daniel. And Daniel goes, man, he called me out. Everybody gave him a hard time. He realized calling out a guy who just retired from a completely different division doesn't make sense. He's actually wrong. If he would just sit on this one for a minute, he would just let this simmer, we could get something going, and I can't turn down a world title fight. And I never said anything. I never said a word, but it surprised me. I'm only bringing it up now because Daniel's brought it up, but it did surprise me because he was so set on that, you know, that Stipe. That Stipe fight, my last fight, I'm going to win this, I'm going to go on top, or I'm not. But either way, I'm walking away. And so when he made this comment, okay, so I need to tie this in. I need to tie in the rest of Daniel's statement. He said, I considered fighting Blahovich for 15 minutes and then realized I am completely done. So I must have caught him. I must have caught him in that 15-minute window. But I never said anything about it because I thought, well, there might be some legs here. And I understand where Daniel's coming from. I mean, a world title is a world title. He's in shape. He just did it with Stipe, the baddest dude in the world. If you can go 25 minutes with Stipe, right? <laughs> you go with anybody. So I didn't know if there was some legs to that. I didn't think it was going to gain any ground. I remember thinking, well, I would watch that fight, particularly because that division. Of course, I would watch the fight. I would be interested in that fight, but particularly because the division is in a little bit of a swing, right? The Weidman Rockhold experience didn't, didn't work out. John Jones leaves. Is Rumble coming back? I mean, just to offer a few questions to what is going on at 205, it's just one of these weird divisions where that would be very interesting. I just never knew if Daniel could even get offered the fight because, as we know, nobody wants, I mean, promoter, wants anybody to go out on top. I mean, they just want you to go out with their belt. It's just a very real thing. And the fact that Daniel was given the opportunity to do it one week before in a different weight class, I remember thinking, I'll just be curious. I'll be curious where this whole thing goes. But Daniel is telling you the truth. When he says he thought about that for 15 minutes, I, I must have talked to him in those 15. And it would have been interesting if Blahovich would have played those cards just slightly differently. And we went after John Jones, and it was 48 hours later he goes after Daniel. And then he catches his wits of how bad of an idea that was, and he went on from there. But if he would have let that simmer, if he would have caught him in the right 15, would have been interesting how that would have played out. So let's talk. Well, let's talk to women. Let's talk 145. Amanda Nunes just pulled out of her fight. She pulled out of her fight with Megan Anderson. For undisclosed medical reasons. Okay. Meanwhile, at 145, uh, Kayla Harrison, PFL champion, two-time. She's won the PFL tournament the last two seasons, is moving down. Don't forget, Kayla fights at 155. 
moving down to 145 and over to the Invicta organization. And Invicta is a direct feeder to the UFC. You won, you win one time in Invicta in the right match, you're going to the UFC. They have a working relationship. Invicta is on Fight Pass, by example. They have a very good working relationship. And the mere fact that Kyla is moving down is interesting. The fact that she's moving over to Invicta, which is on Fight Pass, I think is a direct relation to Amanda to 145 pounds. Now, are any of you going to be excited for that match? No, no, probably not. But there's not a ton of things to do. In all fairness, there's not a ton of things to do with Amanda. And Kyla's got a pretty good reputation. She won the Olympics a couple times. Her biggest draw is that she won the Olympics a couple of times in judo, and she came in on the back of Ronda Rousey. I am condescending to you hardcore fans. I am introducing to any of you newer fans who may not know who Kayla Harrison is and may not have followed her Olympic career, may not have followed uh, the PFL. So I'm introducing you because I think you need to get caught up pretty fast. So she wins the Olympics twice in judo, which was Ronda's sport. Ronda leaves, okay, who's the next big judo player? Let's bring her in. That was essentially the, the try. That, that was what was being tried to be done. Now, while she might not have caught on in the fame realm, she's been wildly successful. I want to say she's 8 and 0, 155 pounds. So she's coming down to 45. And there was a reason she didn't want to go 45 right out of the gate, which I, I imagine was just the size she didn't want. But she didn't think she could make it or she didn't have an interest. It was something along those lines. Which is relevant because if we're sitting here guessing, and I don't know how hard we have to get, I don't think we have to put on our Colombo rain jacket to figure out 55-pounder from the PFL has moved over to Invicta, which is a feeder organization of the UFC, whose highest weight class is 145 pounds, who was crowned by a champion named Amanda Nunes, who has nobody to fight. Broad stroke statement, but she's got nobody to fight. So it sounds as though if you're fight fans, and you're looking to wonder what's on the horizon of 2021 for Amanda, you need to take a good look at Kayla Harrison's next fight. And her opponent's been named. I don't mean to disrespect the opponent, but it wasn't part of the article. It's been named. It's a co-main event spot. The fight's coming up. Connect the dots. Does a judo player have what it takes to beat Amanda Nunes? Does the, replay, does the knockoff Ronda have the ability to do what the real Ronda couldn't Make it more than 65 seconds doing. Glover Teixeira. What are the odds that a guy named Glover goes into a profession where he has to wear gloves? I mean, right, was this ever a premonition? Okay. What a stud. I mean, I got to tell you, what a stud. And Dana was talking at the post-fight press conference. And Dana simply said, I'm never counting this guy out again. And he speaks for me, but he speaks for you guys too, right? You guys had the same thought as what Dana said, which is, man, because the writing's on the wall. There was never a question of how great Teixeira was. It was right in front of your face. It was obvious. He burst into the UFC, was on like a 22-fight win streak. Something silly like that. I mean, it was crazy, and he had some kind of a visa issue where he couldn't get in the UFC, which I never understood because he was fighting in the States. And there's always a story that, that lives up to this day that he could not get into the UFC because of a visa issue, but he was living in California and he was fighting in the States. He came out to Portland, Oregon, something called Sport Fight at the time, and fought my teammate Ed Herman. Went to California, fought a different te- teammate of mine named Terry Sokaju. I only bring this to you. I knew who Glover was. 
We were prepping for Glover. We knew who this guy was, and he was fighting in the States. So I've never understood this visa issue, why he couldn't get into the UFC. Maybe there's some fine print that I missed, but I'm giving you the 411 on Glover because once he does get in the UFC, he bursts through the scene. And it was like his second fight. He ends up there with Rampage. And Rampage to this day is a meaningful opponent. But don't forget back then, I mean, Ram- Rampage is, is a headliner. Ranky's a, uh, Rampage is a marquee guy. And this isn't all that far separated from Rampage being the champion of the world. So this is a big opportunity. He gets it right out of the gate. I think it was his second fight. I mean, it was right away he's being tested. Not to mention Rampage had beaten Chuck Liddell twice. Not to mention Chuck Liddell is Glover's teammate and mentor. So it was a lot on it for Glover. Glover wins. I think he won all three rounds. Draws him right into a world title fight with John Jones. And that ended largely the way everybody else's run with John ends, which is you fight for five rounds and you do not win the majority of them. But I mean, he went out and really showed himself and what he had to go through to earn that opportunity. And in all fairness, look back at anybody else's career, who in the hell else would have been ready to win a championship three fights in? This is off the top of my head. Say old Chael, who's really good at this, is missing when he has four fights. You still get my point. Who the hell has to fight for a championship, gets to fight for a championship, however you want to look to it. Who is ready to fight for a champion? Four fights in, three fights in. I only suggest that for you because a lot of Glover fans were kind of thinking, you know, I think he's got what it takes. I just think the timing was off. There was also an exchange in the very first round, in the very first minutes of the round, where John came out, they were standing up, got a hold of Glover's arm and like tried a submission on his feet, just reefed his arm. Oh, Tweaked his arm. It was very effective by John. It had never been seen in that position. It had only been done one time in the UFC. It was by Frank Mir in 2001 over Tavares. And Frank did get the submission, but it was on the ground. Nobody had ever done it on the feet. John just locks up and reefs his arm in one direction. Makes the move up on the spot, but it worked. It tore something in Glover's bicep. This is like the first minute. Fights another 24 minutes. So there's always a question of how much could have Glover closed closed that gap at a different time? It's a simple question. But if you like Glover, then you resign to the fact to ask that question. Well, Glover's been so impeccable since. Again, this is off the top of my head. I'm sure he must have stubbed his toe somewhere along the line. But outside of the Rumble-Johnson fight, I can't think of what it was. I just can't recall what it was. And I'm very confident in telling you if he stubbed his toe since, he hasn't done it more than twice. Hey, the Rumble fight that I remember, maybe there was one that I, I, I got to go look up. Won his last five. But what's very compelling is in his last two, he beat former number one contenders. I mean, you guys know good and goddamn well how this works. You beat the former number one contender. You are now the number one contender. That's how this works. He's not only beat a number one contender, he's beaten two number one contenders. Oh, and by the way, he stopped them both. I'm just saying. When Glover comes out and says, I deserve a title shot, he is right. He deserves a t- Deserving a title shot and getting a title shot, we're having two different conversations. But a full tip of the hat to what Glover has achieved and looking better. And you have to give a good look at Tiago Santos. Because one thing that happens very commonly in sport and any of you that competed at any level, you don't have to be professionals on TV on Saturday night on ESPN to still understand the concept. Very, very often, when you have the best performance that you've had, 
any sport, any level, 10-year-old basketball, it all applies. When you have the best performance you've ever had, right, in life, what goes up must come down. And it's a very rare thing where a guy has a spectacular performance and uses that as a springboard to go even higher. It's just a rare thing. I mean, I think you could just look at 205 in recent memory and agree with me. Dominic Reyes had the best performance of his life against John Joe and didn't the next one. Tiago Santos had the best performance of his life against John Jones and didn't in his next one. And it was not that Reyes had slipped or that Tiago had slipped. It's a very real thing that just happens mentally and emotionally. When you come off of one of those highs, you don't learn a lot from those fights. You don't have a big motivation. You're very proud of yourself and you think, okay, I've got this figured out. It's a real thing. And we've all been there as athletes. It's a hard thing to overcome. You can overcome it, sometimes with a little bit of luck, sometimes with the right opponent, sometimes with deep discipline and focus because it had happened to you before. And so you had learned this lesson. Dominic Reyes had never been beat. He didn't get to learn this lesson. Tiago Santos beat the current champion and almost beat John Jones. I mean, it's just one of those things. He hadn't learned the lesson yet. It's one of those things. I also think that Tiago's placement on the card was pretty tough. To come off an injury like that, to come off that amount of time and walk into a five-round contest, it's tough. Look, it's a tough business. I'm not asking you to cry in your beer for him. I'm just asking that you look at that, give him a second chance. Oh, and by the way, what do we do with Glover? I mean, nobody wants to fight that guy. No one wants to fight. You fight Glover when you get called to fight Glover. You don't want to back down. You're a tough guy in a tough guy business. You don't go to Dana and ask, can I fight Glover? That's never happened, by the way. I'm making a literal statement to you. That has never, nobody's called out Glover. So what do you do with Glover? What do you do? You guys have an idea? Rumble's coming back. Do you rematch it? Maybe. Maybe that's exactly what you do. Do you put him as the reserve fighter? for Adesanya versus Blahovich. Glover versus Blahovich is a very interesting match. Glover versus Rumble is not as interesting. A lot of that has to do with age, right? Rumble is just going to beat him to the punch and Rumble hits harder than hell. That's just the way that's going to go 10 out of 10 times. Blahovich versus Glover is a very different, it's a very brutal. That's a very brutal match where two guys are going to bludgeon each other. If you were in that building live in the middle of a pandemic when nobody is there and you can hear all the sounds of the building, think about that match. Think about Glover versus Jan. I understand Izzy's getting the shot. You guys understand fights get canceled all the time. Amanda Nunes just pulled out of a main event, by example. Opportunities open up, by example. Justin Gaethje became an interim champion this year for an opportunity that opened up, by example. So what do you do with Glover? If you put him in that spot, he doesn't get used. He's on ice for a while. A guy who's 41 years old isn't looking to be at him. It's a complicated question. There's a lot of moving parts. I'm asking you sincerely, you, what do you do with Glover? Is John Jones on the path to being the pay-per-view star that he's always wanted to be? Right? John has always been in a spot where it's very hard to sell. It's very hard to sell for the same problems that Roy Jones Jr. had. 
people know how this story is going to end, and he's not interesting enough of a guy, by example, a Floyd Mayweather type. They say there's only two fighters in history who can sell on their own. Mike Tyson and Oscar De La Hoya. Now, they need to amend that list to add Floyd Mayweather. But it's still down to those three. You may be able to amend that list another time to insert Conor McGregor. Maybe. Conor's always had an interesting story, but he's always found a way to make the story interesting. You could not, even in a fictitious world, amend that list and add anybody else and be accurate. It's very rare. All I'm offering to you is it's very rare. And I offer that because I'm not being my typical scumbag of a self trying to kick John Jones. That's not what I'm doing. Numbers don't lie, and he's never been able to draw. Can't draw because he's so damn good, right? I'm not insulting him. He draws against Adesanya. And that changes everything. Adesanya for sure has the allure that he could beat John Jones. For sure. Whether, whether he can or not is between those boys. He has the allure that he could beat John Jones. And he also has the allure that he doesn't give a damn about John Jones. Which has never been done. You convince somebody you can beat the unbeatable. Or you convince somebody you don't respect the unbeatable. You're going to have a full house. Real simple promotion right there. Formula that very few guys understand. Izzy understands that, oh, and by the way, he's not manufacturing. This is real. He's putting it on the line. He's going up to that weight class. He's willing to go through Blahovich just to get to Jones. This is as real as it gets. I ask you a question. If they were going to kickbox, just kickbox, who do you think wins? I know very quickly you're going to say Izzy Adesanya, but then not so quickly you're going to begin to think about it and go, well, you know, Jones does have a reach advantage, and uh, I've never seen John Jones outstruck, and uh, he's got a big size advantage on him. And uh, what, what are the rules to kickboxing again? I mean, right, it's not, right away you said Adesanya, 27 and 3, 29 and 3 in professional kickboxing. When you think about it, it's tough. I believe Izzy Adesanya beats John Jones. I will also tell you this. I don't know if there's anything that I would not pick John Jones to win in. If you told me that John Jones was entering Abu Dhabi tomorrow, not, not John Jones has six months and then he's going to enter Abu Dhabi. You told me John Jones is going to enter submission underground tomorrow, not six months from now where he has time to train for it. I take John Jones. I don't even look at the bracket. If I find out John Jones is in, I take John Jones. Do you? If you tell me tomorrow John Jones is going over to K1, not you tell me he's going to take a year and go work on it and then go into K. You tell me tomorrow he's going to wake up and go into K1. Who am I betting on? I'm taking John Jones, and I'm not going to ask you the opponent. I'm not going to ask you at what weight class. I'm going to take John Jones. Are you with me on that? I mean, are you with me on that? But at the same time, I'm telling you, in MMA, which is his preferred discipline, I'm taking out of Sonya. How do I get to that conclusion? I mean, I must be coming at you with some kind of a hope based on a personal bias and grudge against John Jones. Because if you juxtapose the fact that I'm taking Adesanya to beat Jones, but if you back up and I'm telling you, I don't know anybody that can beat Jones at anything, they don't go together. So look yourself in the mirror. Who are you taking? 
A lot of you are taking Adesanya. But if you break it down a little bit further, you're going to have to ask yourself, where does Adesanya beat him and how? If he, if he beats him on the feet, one-sided, no question. Okay, great. Can he keep it on the feet? Can he keep it on the I mean, you're going to have to ask yourself these questions. I think you would have very good evidence to come to the conclusion of yes. I think if you looked at the fact that Yoel Romero had 25 minutes and succeeded one time at getting Adesanya down and Adesanya popped right back up, you could make a very good argument that yes, Adesanya can keep it on the feet. But now are you sure that a lighter Adesanya has the power to do enough damage to win over the judges against a larger John Jones? You may be, but you see the problem here. You see the problem as fight fans or as betters. It's all a popularity contest. It's all a pop. I swear to goodness, I learned everything I needed to learn in life in middle school. I swear to goodness, I did. It was all a popularity contest. The one thing the textbook won't teach you, you go through college, you get a master's degree. The one thing the textbook and the professor will never tell you is it's good to be liked. I ran for class president three times. I'm going to digress. It's nothing to do with Adesanya. Let me entertain you guys' story. Ran for class president three times. Lost, lost, won. I prepared a speech. I practiced it in front of the mirror. My mother helped me write this thing. I lost. Came back again. Prepared a speech. My mother and my father and my sister helped me write it. Practiced this whole thing. Lost. Third time, didn't practice at all. Stood in front of the class. Said, everybody stand up. They all stood up. I said, touch your head with your right hand. They touched it with their right hand. I said, touch your head with your left hand. They touched it with their left hand. I said, wiggle your ears. They wiggle their ears. I said, turn around. They turned around. I said, sit down. They sat down. I said, if that's not leadership, I don't know what is. I became class president. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you want to know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around the home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. So everybody's calling out Shemayev. Have you, have you guys seen this? And by, by everybody, I believe three people have called him out. Okay, of the 556 athletes under contract, the two weight divisions that he's covering, which has got to represent the 150 people, three people have called him out. Okay, that's my everybody. But in all fairness, nobody's ever called him out. As a matter of fact, nobody even answers the call out. Everybody's ducking Chemayev. Chemayev gets signed on with Leon Edwards. And everybody's calling out Chemayev. Where, where, where were you 15 days ago, Mr. Tough Guys? I mean, it's the strangest thing in the world, and it will never go away, and it will work. They will get street cred for it. People will think they're serious. Yeah, they're serious that they read the headline on MMA Junkie that said that uh, Chemayev is going to be fighting Leon in December. That part they're serious about. I just find it very interesting whenever this happens, and it never ceases to happen. Oh, and by the way, before you think I'm calling out these fake tough guys, they were still eight days late. This came out almost two weeks ago. He signed the contract to fight Leon three weeks ago. So now when you've got an idea, you didn't even hatch it at the right time. Oh, and by the way, whoever number three was, you let two other guys go first. Why can you guys not have an original thought? 
even the first guy to do it gets more credit here. I mean, that's an old school sucker carny move. That doesn't mean it doesn't work. Who cares if it's an old, who cares if it's low hanging fruit? If it works, use it. Take the cheap pop. A pro wrestler will walk into Cleveland. And if he's the heel, he will grab the microphone and he will say, I hate Cleveland. I mean, it's the most simple, oh, boo, boo, everybody. It's called a cheap, it's called cheap heat. Or if you're the baby face, you're the good guy in pro wrestling, you're in Cleveland, you walk out, you grab the microphone, what's up, I love Cleveland, and everybody cheers, it's a cheap pop. That doesn't mean the greats don't do it. You'll catch The Rock doing it. You'll catch Stone Cold doing it. Take the cheap pop. I got no problem with it. How did three guys do it? Where was number two when he got the bright idea? And where was number three after he saw the first? Is a fourth guy going to call out Shemayev? And then expect a little bit of Twitter love? Is a fifth guy going to call out Shemayev? Be the big tough guy at his local strip club for the night? Get to cut the line? What is the move on that? What is the play there? There's so many other fun things that you could do. You want to hear something fun? Adesanya informed John Jones when they fight that he will be the A-side. Now, that is a talking point that is going to go nowhere and has nothing to do with the fight, but I'm making a video about it because it's interesting and it's clever, and it's the first guy that has ever told that to John Jones, and maybe the first guy that's ever told that to anybody. It's the last time you saw Israel Adesanya rip off somebody else's gimmick. It's called gimmick infringement. You're going to rip off a guy's gimmick. He's got to be done. He's got to be retired. It's got to be from years ago. And then when you get caught ripping off the gimmick, you come out and say, I was paying homage to the guy because I respected him. You don't admit ripping off the gimmick. and You don't rip off the gimmick the same week that somebody else ripped off the gimmick who ripped it off from the first guy that did the gimmick. Nobody wear a bow tie. Nobody ever wore a bow tie in the UFC. Irish guy named Connor comes out. He's wearing a bow tie. I see a bunch of bow ties. Nobody's ever wearing sunglasses. Tony Ferguson shows up to a press conference. Now everybody's wearing sunglasses. Daniel Cormier coins the phrase, share the octagon. It's called fight a guy. It's always been called fight a guy. Daniel Cormier calls it share the octagon. Everybody calls it share the octagon. Robbie Lawler uses the term, let's run it back. Everybody says, let's run it. Can you guys think of anything? Honest to goodness, could you sit down with the sense that God gave geese and just think of your own shtick one time? Nobody shows up to a press conference wearing sunglasses until Tony Ferguson does it. Now Joe Biden is wearing sunglasses. Michael Chandler came out. He said, I want to earn a title shot. Now, I got no problem with any way Chandler wants to do his career, and I have followed Michael Chandler's career. I just don't know what that statement means. Why would you want to earn a shot, or it could be given to you? Just by example. I'm just asking the question. Is Michael Chandler aware of the fact that Jose Aldo never had a fight within the UFC and was the UFC champion? By example. Play that one through, guys. Now, play that through had Jose not come in and won at least a fight. He won several, but imagine he never won one. The history books would reflect that Jose Aldo was a UFC champion and never won a UFC fight, just by example. Does Michael Chandler know that Ronda Rousey was anointed the champion of the UFC, having never fought in the UFC? Play that one through. 
Say the first time she walks out there as champion of the world, she gets beat, never returns, or never returns to a world title fight. The history books would reflect that she was 0-1 within the organization, but was the world champion. Does it matter? What about the night Matt Hughes was woken up to find out he was the world champion? Knocked out, wakes up, they tell him he's the champion of the world. Who, me? Where am I? This is mine? Great. I only offer that for you because it does make me wonder, do you have to, do you want to earn something? Now, what about these 30 fights that Michael Chandler's already had? Those don't count. I think he's being a little hard on himself. And as I look at that division, allegedly, if the information that we're told is true, and you never know if it is, it wasn't told us by the media, it was told by the fighter himself, but RDA, who lost his opponent, Islam Makhlchev, called for Michael Chandler, and then RDA himself reported that Chandler turned the fight down. I am not telling you that that happened. I'm not telling you Chandler was ever offered that fight or that Chandler ever uh, turned that fight down. But I'm telling you that RDA said that he was and that he did. And going through RDA, not only within the fans and the media minds, is going to move you towards a title shot. Historically speaking, it moves you right into a title shot. Who do you guys think Colby Covington beat? Who do you think Kumar Usman beat? Who do you think these guys beat before they got their crack at the strap? Go back and read the books. Road to the Championship runs through RDA. I spoke to Gina Carano today, and we were going on about other matters. And at the end of it, I said, hey, by the way, give me some scoop. Let me go make a video. Tell the world something behind your back. She said, I'd rather you didn't. I said, Okay. So Giga Kachai wins again. Giga is a kickboxer. Do you guys know who this is? I think even K1, Glory, very famous kickboxer. He comes over to MMA. He's knocking everybody out. And there was a time when that did not work. That experiment failed miserably. But there's now a time where that is working. I mean, I think Adesanya started that. I think Adesanya started to show guys, no, you can figure this out pretty quickly. Here's how you train, here's how you do it. But if you got the right type and the right hips, you can come do this. I only bring that in because now Giga's having his level of success and he's fun to watch. So Giga calls out, out of nowhere, calls out Jeremy Stevens. Jeremy Stevens is ranked, Giga is not ranked. Was that his motivation? Probably. Jeremy Stevens accepts it on the spot. Okay. Hold that thought. RDA loses his fight with Islam Makhlchev. Paul Felder accepts it on the spot. So now Felder is going to step in, and that's a big deal, at least for me, because I know Felder very well, and I know how big he, I know what a hard time Felder has making weight. So the mere fact that he accepted that fight, not to mention on short notice, which means he's in striking distance of making weight. Good job, Paul Felder. Congrats to Jeremy Stevens. But guys, there's something about this mindset. And we all love it, and we all like it, and it's getting more and more distant. Now, I will always tell a fighter, accept any opportunity when that phone rings, answer it and say one word, which is yes. But I say that to you with a caveat that I am expecting every single fighter to be within striking weight, striking distance of making weight and to be in shape and to be waiting for that phone to ring. I come to you from that kind of a mindset. So don't take Chael Sonnen's school of management to thought. If you know about yourself, you're one of those guys that leaves the gym and only returns eight to 10 weeks before a contracted fight. Don't do that. At the same time, don't be one of those guys. Have you any respect for yourself? You're in a profession where they only let you go to work. They only ask you to go to work three times a year and you're not ready at any given moment. What's wrong with you? 
One of the great things that you will ever have in this career, yes, it will be main events, absolutely. It will be media, it will be in, being in front of people. Maybe you make the video game. I mean, those are good things that you can have fun and smile and in your later years look back on, right? But one thing that is a major sign of success, a major sign, and you will not realize it until it's done, is your ability to extend your career. If you came out red hot and you were undefeated, you all these great things and your career was done by the time you were 27, you're going to look and go, man, I wish I would have done some things differently. I wish I would not have yo-yoed and gone in and out and made it so hard on myself. I wish I would have trained a little bit more steady. I wish I would have kept my weight under control. I wish my body could have held up and gone longer and gone until I was 32 years old and had another five years of memories. I'm just sharing that with you. Because while you feel good now and you can whip yourself back into shape and as hard as it possibly is, this is what you would rather do and then go sit around for six weeks, that's one way to do it. I would just encourage you to consider and think about doing it from the other side. You have a Paul Felder mindset, not to mention making weights very hard for Paul. Paul's got a very hard schedule, right? He's got jobs. He's got stuff to do. It's very hard. He still does it. He doesn't complain. He doesn't say a damn thing to you. Biggest complaint you've ever got from Paul Felder is me just giving it to you now. Paul's never complained. Not to mention he's stepping in with a polar opposite stylistic matchup that I'm sure he would prefer. RDA is very grappling heavy, just by example. Didn't make a damn bit of difference. Paul said yes. Boom, off you go. Jeremy Steven didn't make a damn bit of difference. Giga's out here beating people up. He called Jeremy's name. Boom, I'm in. When do you want to do it? I'm only sharing with you. This is a mindset that there used to be and we used to have, and it used to be recognized, and it used to be rewarded, and it used to be appreciated. Now it is a dying breed. It's still appreciated. We just see it less and less. And I think if we threw an arm around the guys with the mentality of a Jeremy Stevens, with a Paul Felder, I think we would see a little bit more of it. But for some reason, not only do the fighters get away with not being legit tough guys anymore, the fans let them off the hook. If you say no, you lose. That is the rules of the playground from the very first time I hit the playground. Apparently, not only are the fighters becoming wimps now, the playgrounds are even getting weak. Here's a topic going around the internet. The kids on the underground are discussing, and they're being serious, by the way. This is why I'm making fun of them. They're being serious with the following question. Headline, did Glover just steal Adesanya's title shot? Right. Could you imagine how stupid that statement is? I mean, you, my audience, which has a brain because I smarten you each and every week for the last five years. The kids on the underground don't have a mentor, apparently. First off, dum-dums, Adesanya versus Blahovich is something called signed, you idiots. Secondly, the long-term play is to get Adesanya and Jones together, which is the biggest fight the industry could make, you idiots. And third, your one and only argument, and I'm Team Glover. I train with Glover. I love Glover to make believe, and here was the argument. Glover deserves it more than Adesanya. That was the number one response by anybody that was Team Glover. Do you realize what you're saying? You idiots. You're saying a guy on a very impressive five-fight win streak, three of which of those five he was the underdog going in, which made it even more impressive, is more deserving than the sitting, reigning, undefeated champion of the world who's taking the risk in moving up. You idiots. At some point, if you're going to make an argument, you have to come from a level of honesty so that the person across the table can trust you, thus respecting you. You'll never get a deal if that person who's going to make the decision up, down, or sideways doesn't respect you.
So come in with the truth, which is, look, Adesanya's got a whole bunch of time to fight for those championships, and Glover's window is closing, and Glover is a really nice guy who's never violated anything, who's never hurt anybody, never missed weight, taken the hard fights, never violated the testing policies. Let's give it an opportunity because his window's a little bit shorter, and I'd just like to see something good to happen for him. For the first time in my life, I'm trying to do the right and nice thing, and that's not typically what I do. That would be what you would say because then you would be honest right? You weren't honest, kids on the underground. You came out with a stupid statement that Glover deserves it more than the undefeated city reigning world champion who sold 50,000 tickets two fights ago representing the largest box office in the history of the sport. That's just a dumb argument to make. Arguing you want something wonderful happen to Glover. And time is ticking down, and he has done enough work, and put him in there, and he's now beat two number one contenders, thus making him the number one contender in any broad stroke normalcy time is problematic when a fight's already signed, you idiots. Now, I agree. I think that we can solve both kind of problems, right? First off, I do agree that Glover deserves to fight for a world championship, to make him believe as he is more deserving or more credible or has more paper or ranking behind him than the undefeated world champion. That argument's not going to hold up, and it's silly. And the only other reason the promoter didn't come out and tell you that is from the same spot of kindness that you guys are coming from. It's a kindness issue, and it's a respect to Glover Teixeira of which he has earned. He hasn't begged for, he hasn't trash-talked his way into, he hasn't tried to manipulate or navigate. He has earned. So now we have to figure out what do we do with Glover. Because all we have to do right now, apparently, is buy some time. Just have to buy some time. If Izzy... And Blahovich can go get that figured out, particularly if Blahovich wins. Because that double crosses or at least puts a, a conflict in the way of John Jones sliding down. So it would open the window for Glover. But as of now, the plan, make no mistake, is Adesanya versus Blahovich. Should Adesanya win, Adesanya versus John Jones, which just buys more time. So let's look at it from a best-case scenario. Okay, absolute best case, something happened as that fight, Glover slides in. And the only thing that could happen where Glover could fill in is it happened to Adesanya. If it happens to Blahovich, there is no fight because he's the one bringing the damn title, okay? Absolute best case, Adesanya withdraws for whatever reason, Glover slides in. Second best case and far more likely is an Adesanya-Blahovich fight. Blahovich wins... And then Glover fights Blahovich. But what does Glover do in the meanwhile? Good news for Glover. He's got most of the heavy lifting out of the way. All right? Gustafson left the division. Rumble's yet to return to the division. He's already beat Lionheart, and he's already beat Santos. Top guys. So the good news is whatever he has next and as hard as it's going to be is likely not to be as hard as what he's already got in the rear view. There's the good news. In the worst case scenario, though, for Glover is that Adesanya and then is Adesanya versus Jones, thus kicking the can even further. Now he's got a couple of fights. Oh, and by the way, another year on his age, which things just get a little less likely. If he was to stay unbeaten, he's won his last five. If he was to stay unbeaten, 
until the time came where that opportunity presented itself, he'd be like winning his last seven, winning his last eight. That would be a remarkable feat because don't forget Glover's age, right? That's a remarkable feat for anybody. That's what Leon's done. Everybody's teamed up and wants Leon to get a big opportunity. Leon hadn't lost in four years, and Leon's won eight in a row. And you guys will remember when Matt Brown was getting the big push. Hey, man, what's going on here? Why isn't this guy getting a shot? He won seven in a row, but that was a crazy number, particularly at that weight class at that time and the guys he was going through. I only offer you that because Glover, post-40, to be racking up these wins, man, this is, this is so awesome. But that's also where you're coming from. You don't truly believe that a guy who's won five in a row deserves something more than a guy taking a risk, coming up in weight, who's never lost, who's possibly going to have to walk away from a belt that nobody could beat him at, and is a sitting reigning champion, right? You, you just don't really believe that in your heart. You like Glover. The same ones of you that are saying that Glover deserves the opportunity are saying that John Jones moving to heavyweight does not deserve it. Because you like Glover and you don't like John. I, I understand those things. And emotions are a real part of life. But that's not the argument that you attempted to make, which is why I'm pushing back. Okay. Understand this, though. Because this would be an interesting question. Who has done the best job post-40? Who's done the best job? And I don't know that that question, I mean, if you, if you wanted to answer it right on its face, you'd probably just look at who was closest to a championship and how high was that age. But I think you got to put it in two categories. I mean, I really do. Pre-USADA and post-USADA. I will tell you firsthand, going over 40 without USADA was a hell of a lot easier than doing it once those guys stepped in. I mean, in all fairness, right, when the rules changed, that's some of the pushback by the people saying, hey, you should have all this stuff on a band list. You're giving the world to 18 to 25-year-olds. Medicine has a different opinion. One of the pushbacks. But it is an interesting question because Daniel Cormier's got to be up there. All right, I think he only went to 41, but he still fought five rounds with the baddest heavyweight to ever do it and won a couple of those rounds. But right, in all fairness, that's pretty impressive. Even in defeat, that's pretty goddamn impressive at heavyweight. I think Glower's making his mark. You know, I think Dan Henderson has to be considered. I believe he was 46 years old. I'd have to check that. He could have been 45. I think he was 46 years old. The last fight he ever had was against Bisping for the strap, USADA era. A lot of people thought Henderson won that fight. And I'm not here to, to litigate or rehash whether he did or not. I'm here to speak that he put on a damn good performance for a 46-year-old in a main event in a world title, went all 25 minutes with Bisping, who's now in the Hall of Fame. I mean, right? Pretty impressive. I'd like your opinion on that. I think it's a fun discussion. And I think that's a discussion that you really want to have. I think that's why you're tipping your hat to Glover. Is it just because he's a nice guy with a nice smile that says nice things and fights really damn well? I think it's also because of his age. I think you're impressed by it. I think you want to see him get every opportunity. You understand that window is closing. I don't think you're wrong for that. Just don't use the word deserve. Thanks for listening to Your Welcome with Chael Sonnen. Download new episodes every week at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.